Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. Your host today, Angie Fryermuth. And I'm Emily Trevoya. Today we are doing another day in the life of, and we're talking with Andrew Oksher and Paul Fleming about being a local government liaison. So welcome, Andrew and Paul. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Before we get too much further, um, I'd like to take some time to get to know our guests. So can you tell us about yourselves, how you came to the Corps, and what programs you've supported within the Corps, and specifically how you got involved in the local government liaison program? So Paul, we'll start with you. Sure. I came to the Corps about 12 years ago uh, from the private sector, where I worked as a computer-aided drafting and design technician mostly in commercial development and started in the core working primarily for our engineering and construction branch uh, doing the same type of work doing computer-aided design and drafting where currently i'm the cad manager for the district uh, as well as supporting project design in certain circumstances mainly on our fargo moorhead flood diversion project which has eaten up the majority of my career uh, so far at the core uh, and will continue to eat up another couple more years. I think it'll span about 10 years of my first 15 at the core when it's all said and done. So that's that's what has been keeping me busy and will continue to keep me busy for a while at St. Paul District. As far as how I stumbled across the local government liaison role, uh, as part of the St. Paul District's emergency management role or missions, we have a temporary housing team, which I volunteered for. And as part of that, I had two or three deployments as a housing specialist and then also volunteered to support some of our debris missions as well. And just as part of deploying in those roles, it got me interested and eager to take a little bit more active role with the the emergency management missions themselves. A good friend of mine uh, at the time was in the emergency management uh, world, Kelly Phillips, and she recommended a position to me, a position called uh, team lead or assistant team lead, excuse me, and I applied for that and they actually did not accept anyone that year so she said well actually there's this other position that i think you'd be a lot better for anyways so i applied it was kind of pushed uh, gently by kelly to apply for the local government liaison and i've been on the cadre for this is my third year now and i am decidedly a rookie uh, having just gotten my first deployments uh, under my belt this past fall in support of Hurricane Ian. So one down, hopefully many more to come, but so far so good, uh, at least in terms of how I'm enjoying the role and uh, having it be a very fulfilling uh, choice that I made a number of years ago. And how about you, Andrew? I have worked for the Corps just over 15 years, I began as a student park ranger and uh, worked my way up from there. Became a park ranger at one of the uh, projects here in the district. 
I was there for about 10 years, and then I moved on to become a resource manager at another project uh, where I oversaw the operations at that project itself. And since then, I've moved into our district office where I oversee our environmental compliance program. Most anyone that's been around operations in the Corps has heard of an ergo inspection. That's what I do. I conduct those inspections for the Huntington District and oversee that program, as well as our sustainability budget, our water supply, hydropower, those kinds of things. So I have my hands in a lot of cookie jars. Uh, I heard about the LGL role, I think in 2017. I actually had a good friend who was on the cadre, and I kept seeing him disappear for a month at a time. I didn't know where he was going. I didn't know what he was doing. He gave me an explanation one time, but I didn't fully understand it. And then in 2017, the cadre was recruiting for some new folks, and the application came down to my supervisor, and he forwarded that to me and said, I think you would be good at this. I was a park ranger at the time, and uh, he had read the description of what was required, and he, he thought I met that need, so... He recommended that I apply. I did. He signed off on it, and I went to the first training in 2017, and 2017 became a productive year for the cadre. We had, uh, let's see, one, we had the hurricanes in Houston and Texas. We had the hurricane in Florida, which was my first deployment, and then we also had, what was that, Maria, the hip Puerto Rico, and so we got a lot of action that year, the first year I was on the cadre. Since then, I think I've done seven or eight deployments as an LGL, uh, but that's how I got my foot in the door. Well, it sounds like um, there's a lot of uh, diversity and background for people who are LGLs in the Corps. I didn't know a whole lot about the LGL prior to talking to Paul about it. So can you guys tell us about the role that local government liaisons play during an emergency response operation? What I like to tell people is that primarily our job is uh, fills a role and a need of communication. Uh, we kind of fit into the emergency response as a link between local governments, hence, you know, in our title, local government liaison, but we plug in between local governments uh, and citizens specifically, and the federal recovery operation. So absent a local government liaison post-disaster, citizens, local governments many times can find themselves with lots of questions, big mess on their hands, and really not a lot of guidance as far as where to get those questions answered or where they can go for help. Their only avenue um, in years past has been to seek that help or those answers out somehow directly from big government uh, agencies, FEMA, um, the core, et cetera. Whereas now with the local government liaison program, we are trained up in the services that big government will provide during disaster recovery. And by plugging us in at a local level, we're there boots on the ground at that citizen slash local government level to answer those questions, to provide information and realistically help solve problems and maybe resolve some conflicts uh, a lot earlier in the game uh, before 
you know, they get any bigger. And it really helps to streamline and smooth out the disaster response. When you do that, that helps speed up recovery and help survivors get back to normal as soon as possible. So we're kind of, to use a metaphor, kind of the lubrication uh, at the local level that helps the recovery machine operate smoothly. That's the, the metaphor I like to use all the time is we're, we're the oil in the machine. And the, the key word Paul used there is communication. And you've got to put yourself in the perspective of a local government leader or even a local disaster survivor. You just want things back to normal. And here comes the federal government to assist, but it can look like this big behemoth of a machine and we are their access to that machine. So we can interface with all the different moving parts of the federal response and then communicate what they are doing to the local governments who can then communicate it to their local citizens. Sometimes we go directly to the local citizens at a town hall or something like that. And we're available for those kinds of things. So communication is the big thing that we do. It's, it can be frustrating if you're a, a local survivor of one of these disasters. You just want to know what's going on. And sometimes you can't see what's going on, but there are things happening even behind the scenes. We help portray what that is, but we also help with communication internally. You know, we might have several different uh, project delivery teams, uh, PDTs on a, on a disaster. It could be prime power or blue roof or housing, temp housing, all these different little moving parts that generally don't talk to each other very much, but we can help interface between all of those and kind of have a holistic picture of the entire response. So that's the gist of our role. Yeah, now I'm curious. So you talked about a cadre. And so how many of you, the local government liaisons, are there across the core? And I mean, I'm assuming they're across the core. So can you talk a little bit about the cadre? Help us better understand that. Yeah, we have, I don't know the exact number that we have right now. We have, I believe, let's just say six or seven subject matter experts. They're sort of the, the team leaders. And then we have three, I'll say four or five subject matter specialists, SMS as we call them. I'm one of those and I assist on the leadership of the cadre. We plan the training, the annual training, which we have usually, well, in recent years, we've mostly had that in Mobile. Uh, so we plan that training and then when disaster strikes and our team is pegged to go on a deployment, we are the ones who put out the call to the rest of the team asking for folks to, you know, we need, say we need seven LGLs to deploy on this mission. And so we'll, we'll collect the names from folks who are available to deploy and we will, we'll send them down range. Aside from the SMEs and the SMSs, I think we're probably up around the, the 40 person mark. We do encompass the entire core. Paul's up there in St. Paul. I am in the Huntington district. We have a, a couple of folks in the Huntington district who serve on the cadre, but we have a gentleman in Hawaii, who's been on this cadre for years, he's one of the SMEs. We have folks all throughout the United States who serve on this cadre. So it's a diversity of backgrounds and experiences and 
uh, and work discipline experiences. So we bring in a lot of different perspectives to this cadre. I was just going to add on to that. The question I get a lot is, well, how often do you deploy? Can you just be sent anywhere at a moment's notice? Of those 40 LGLs, they're split up across three different teams, red, white, and blue. And those red, white, and blue teams are each responsible for four months out of the year. So uh, the plan, and of course, nothing typically goes to plan, but the plan is for if, if a hurricane or a disaster strikes in your month that your team has coverage for, those are the LGLs that are typically asked first to deploy. And that's so LGLs, you know, get a break and they're not on deployment potentially, you know, months and months on end. As it usually happens, uh, many of the team, the active team usually can uh, deploy in support of the mission, but a lot of times, like Andrew mentioned, the call will go out just to anyone and everyone that can support the mission so that we can fill that role as needed. But there, there is a little bit of rotation built into the, the team of LGLs for, for deployment purposes. And I'm assuming that this is all led or the cadre is kind of nested under the Homeland Security Office or Department of the Corps. Is that correct? Homeland Security and Emergency Operations. I'm not sure what the official title of it is. I know that we have we have in the emergency management ranks, we have a permanent cadre in, in headquarters and each each cadre member is responsible for specific parts, whether it be temp housing or debris or power or what have you. And Janelle Mavis is on that cadre and she is our proponent at the headquarters level. And so she is sort of our director. It, I don't think that's the right title, but she's sort of over over us. And then we are supported by the, um, I can't remember. Southwest. Southwest division, yes. Yeah. They are our proponent. So I guess to potentially add a little more clarity to that, uh, we are, we serve under the Corps of Engineers. Uh, we typically deploy in support to FEMA. Uh, FEMA will be the organization that uh, issues a mission assignment for us. But as far as our reporting chain, I guess we report up through the Corps of Engineers. Like Andrew mentioned, we are underneath uh, the Southwest uh, Division. This is all uh, very interesting. I know when I worked at a district, I was an, an LNO, which was a liaison to the state agencies. So I would be deployed out to uh, the state EOC to help with those types of things. But this sounds like an additional layer, um, helping more the citizens and the communities navigate the federal government, which is very much needed. Thank you for your work in doing that. As we move along here, so we kind of really want to know, so what has been the most interesting part of your role within the LGL program and, you know, why? Well, it's interesting that I was trying to count up exactly how many deployments I've been on. I think I'm up to eight. Each one of them is very different. Although I've been to Florida three times, I've been to Louisiana twice. They're still yet all different. And one of the neat things I like about being on the cadre is 
two things really what interests me is understanding how this machine works for whatever reason that's of interest to me because then i can maybe understand how to make it work a little better which is always a good thing but also i like to see things i've never seen before and you know i'm an eastern kentucky boy and it's nice to get out a little bit and see different parts of our country meet different people who have a slightly different cultural background than me that otherwise I would not have an opportunity to meet, let alone interact with. So I get to work with these folks closely. And to me, that's really cool and it's worth doing. So those are a couple of things that I have found interesting with being a part of this cadre. Yeah, I, I can kind of second the see new and exciting places with the asterisks of that have just been destroyed by Mother Nature, unfortunately. But I have an office job nine to five, so it is a great way to get out and, and see the country and different areas and different people. For me, uh, another part that really uh, is rewarding about the LGL position is the people. And that starts at uh, the survivors that were affected by the disaster all the way up to top levels of government. And some days you might be meeting with a local town mayor and the next day you might be rubbing shoulders with congressmen and everything in between. The stories that you get to hear and the people you get to meet is incredibly rewarding. And the best part of it is at the end of the day, if things go right, you're there for all those people to help them out. Being able to help all those people at the end of the day is really kind of what it's all about. And it's a very firsthand tangible kind of help. You're there right after a disaster. You're helping these people in whatever way you can recover and gain some normalcy. And you're also there to see it firsthand, which is a little different than some of the other emergency management, you know, roles where you might be, uh, again, in in an office designing housing sites, or you might just be, you know, at a, a landfill monitoring debris uh, deliveries. This is very much a firsthand with the people uh, kind of role, which is incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I can definitely understand how that would be very rewarding. Being there right after a disaster, I imagine there are a lot of challenges as well. So can you tell us about the most challenging part of being an LGL? Well, it depends entirely on the deployment. Some of the toughest times I've had have been related to accommodations, I guess. And, and I'm not one to complain about what hotel I'm in because generally we're in an affected area where most people don't have a home. So I'm not gonna gripe about a hotel, but sometimes we can't get terribly close to our work area. For instance, when I think it was Hurricane Laura and Delta that hit Lake Charles, Louisiana, I had to stay north of Baton Rouge, which is a pretty good ways away on a good day. But during this deployment, I was having to run Interstate 10 every day back and forth, as was everyone else with the, all the power repair crews, all the volunteers, every other FEMA asset that everyone was trying to get to Lake Charles. And then of an evening, everyone was trying to get back 
And so that was quite miserable. And it proved to be a challenge because it's less time in the field doing work. And that's why we're there is to, to be in the field doing work. Every deployment is unique. That's the one challenge that sticks out immediately, but each each deployment comes with its own unique set of challenges, whether it be different personalities that you're working with or living accommodations or whatever it is. There's always something, but that's part of being an LGL and you have to be flexible in order to thrive in this role. If you can't suffer a little bit, then it's not the job for you, but you've got to, you just have to live with it sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't mean this in a cop-out at all, but my most rewarding part is also my most challenging part, and that's the people. <laughs> the people that we interact with, a lot of times you're meeting them for the first time on what's potentially the worst day of their life and the most stressful part of their life or even just the most stressful part of their career. Uh, if they're an emergency manager or a local town mayor, uh, governor, et cetera, et cetera. So navigating different personalities, all of which are on a different level of crisis, uh, can be very tricky. Uh, again, that's the most challenging part is to stay calm, stay connected to solutions, and really keep your emotions under control. And this happens on a daily basis. When you wake up every day is a different potential set of problems and people that you have to deal with in new and exciting ways. So during training, always, you know, the one word that you hear more than any other word is flexibility. And Andrew definitely uh, keyed on that. And that's, that's the challenge and that's the skill that we we strive to perfect uh, every year when we're training and then obviously when we're deployed out in the field. And what you have to recognize, again, you got to put yourself in the frame of mind of either a local leader or, or someone who has just survived this disaster. And you've got to have compassion for them because what they see in us, they don't know me. They've never met me in their life. All they see is the castle emblazoned on my chest. They see the machine. And I'm part of that. And so sometimes that makes me a target, a verbal target. They want to take their frustrations out on me. And so I've got to have some compassion and really sometimes just sit there and take it. That actually helps them. A lot of times I find that's all it takes. You let somebody chew you out one good time and now they're your friend because you took the time to listen to them. And so you got to be able to show that compassion and give empathy and try to relate to them on their level. And, and that's one of the key ways we get in with local folks is to, to let them know that we do care by showing empathy and compassion. That's a key part of this job, along with the flexibility piece. They all kind of mesh together. Yes, absolutely. Just like with anything, communication is key. And being in the outreach position for a long time in my career, I totally understand that, you know, people are rewarding and challenging and you do just have to sit there and let them take their frustrations out on you before you're able to move forward. So speaking of moving forward, this seems like a really successful program. And so where do you see this local government liaison role going in the future? I guess I'll uh, 
jump in only because I think uh, Mr. Auctioner will have a little more robust answer to this than the rookie. <laughs> I've in my short tenure with uh, LGLs, it seems like it is a program that when I started was successful, but just, and even in just the short three years, it seems like popularity is probably the wrong term for it, but the usefulness and the demand for our position has gone up and up as we've deployed in response to different disasters. Uh, I was not, uh, did not have the opportunity to deploy to our most recent uh, response, which was to support the recovery mission in Guam, but we wound up playing a role in that that was very non-traditional in supporting the Department of Defense, who, again, was also very non-traditional in the sense that FEMA typically ha handles disaster recovery. But uh, we were requested to be there and fill the role uh, for the Department of Defense and their mission, their temporary steel roofing mission. After 30 days, I think every by every metric that I've heard, uh, the LGLs were a great success and were able to be a, a value add to that mission, even though it wasn't really the traditional role that we would have filled. So, again, I think with the continued success of LGLs on deployments, I think organizations such as FEMA that we support see a more of a value and more of a role for us uh, in the future. So I can definitely see our team expanding or at the very least being called upon more frequently. And uh, I think Andrew would agree, but I'm sure he's also got his own insights as to where he sees the program going. Well, I think you've pretty well captured it. I think we're going to get busier and that's because we've had occasion to prove ourselves and prove our value to the various players on a disaster on a, on a response. So. You know, I started, like I said, in 2017, I think Irma was the first deployment I went on in Florida. The commander of the Jacksonville district was skeptical of us on that deployment because we were still relatively new and a little bit untried. We had at that point deployed on several missions, but there were still a lot of folks who hadn't heard of us. And so in Florida, on that one occasion, we were really able to shine and prove what our worth is and what we bring to the table, such that I recall the commander of Jacksonville saying he would never not have us around on a deployment or on a disaster response. And from there, it just it skyrocketed. We, you know, immediately after Florida, I went to Puerto Rico on the third wave in support of the response at Maria. And it seems like every time there's a relatively significant disaster, we're involved in some way because FEMA knows us, different districts know us, they know us personally. We've deployed with them enough. I've, I've know, I know one colonel has my number in his phone and can call me at any point because I've worked with him twice on disasters. And so they know us, they know what quality we bring and, and the sort of support that we provide. What we really do, aside from communication, is we allow our other team members to succeed at their missions. So our temporary roofing folks, if the public needs to be engaged 
regarding temporary roofing. That's something I can go and do at a public meeting rather than the action officer from the blue roof team having to drop what he or she is doing and go attend that meeting. And not to say that it's not worthwhile for the action officer to go to that meeting, but I can fill that role while they do their thing and keep the, the wheels turning. So uh, I think everyone all around from FEMA to our various district commanders who are involved in these responses to everyone in the EM community, they've seen us work. They've seen the, the quality work that we do and the value added that we are. And so long as we continue doing that, we're just going to be more in demand. I foresee. Well, my favorite podcasts are always the one where we talk to people who are passionate about what they do. And it is obvious that both of you are very passionate about uh, being an LGL. So uh, thank you, Andrew and Paul, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. And until next time, be safe, be innovative, and like Andrew and Paul, be sure to lend a helping hand to those in need. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.